I've been looking for you, big brother. Will you please write a letter to Santa Claus for me? Well, I don't have much time. I'm supposed to get down to the school auditorium and direct a Christmas play. You write it and I'll tell you what I want to say. Okay, shoot. Dear Santa Claus, how have you been? Did you have a nice summer? How is your wife? I have been extra good this year. So I have a long list of presents that I want. Oh, brother. Please note the size and color of each item and send as many as possible. If it seems too complicated, make it easy on yourself. Just send money. How about tens and twenties? Tens and twenties? Oh, even my baby sister. All I want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share. everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that one more clip from Charlie Brown Christmas, so if you didn't watch it last week because you heard the clip last week, you better get it on this week because next week I'm going to give you a, a different movie that you need to see see next week. And I opened up with that uh, song from a band called Focus uh, from 1971. The song's called Hocus Pocus because I think that's a, just what we've been seeing in uh, in the congressional hearings this past, how many weeks has it been? But this week was a huge crescendo, and uh, and I guess uh, I just thought, you know, I got I to gotta come up with a song that means fiasco, uh, fiasco, uh, uh, what's pandemonium, just, it's just, it's just stupid. It's just stupid. I could have got a song called Stupidity. Hmm. Anyway, I'll think I'll think of some more for next week. Hey, anyway, uh, we're going to talk about all the stuff that's going on and I'm going to get right to my intro because we got uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about this week. I hope we can get through it all because the Democrats just don't just 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 took up the whole the whole news cycle all week. But before I go on, in case you don't know who I am, my name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, fantastic, because Real estate is always a great opportunity and fantastic because the rates are really good. And you need fi- if you need financing, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll-free area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get information but you don't want to talk on the phone, go to edhoffman.net. Scroll down to the Summit Funding logo. Click on that. They'll take you to my lending page. And you can uh, fill in as much information as you want me to have and tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear from myself or one of my talented teammates, Aaron Fredericks, Brian Goodman, Eric Marquez, or Cody Bradbury, and we'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle, whether that's financing for a house that you want to own or it's a, or whether it's a refinancing for a property you already own that you want to refinance, lower the rates, pull cash money out, or uh, even uh, check out if you're over 62 or your spouse is over 62 and you've got some equity in your house and you want to look into that reverse mortgage thing, 
that we've been that you've been hearing about, call me and I will tell you again if you've looked into it before and you didn't have enough equity, call me and check now because interest rates lower means you get more money. So anyway, uh if you hear something you want repeated, go to edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page and you can hear what this week's show as well as as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free and have it automatically download every week to your iPhone or your iWatch, your iPad, your iPod, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your puppy pad, your computers, your uh, Droid, whatever you can get, uh, anything you can get a podcast on. And I think there's probably, uh, there's probably uh, devices I've never heard of that do podcasts because it seems like everybody's listening to podcasts all the time now. So anyway, uh, you can do that. iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, if if you missed if you missed the show, there's a bunch of bunch of ways to uh, get it. If you missed the time on the radio, um, follow me on Twitter at, at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long, and uh, sometimes I'm uh, more colorful than others. And the Facebook page for the show is the uh, Facebook.com/slash the main event Ed Hoffman. Um, if you have comments on the show, email me at Ed at EdHoffman.net. Those are for uh, show comments, not for. Uh, not for a real estate financing. Okay, we got through that. Also, I'll, if uh, in the studio with me this week, as he is quite often, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands. And I guess we it's a good time for you to come in and remind people if they need bikes. It is. It's a busy time for us for sure. So we're cranking, Ed. I know. Uh, I know. My uh, I I bought a, a bike for my granddaughter last year from you, and uh, and it's uh, still holding up nicely. Good. Good. Glad to hear it. So, uh, so Scott, welcome back. Thanks, Ed. It's delightful to be here. So let's get to some of this stuff that, uh, that we got to get through so we can make our comments on it. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go chronologically of what, what we saw this week. Uh, try to mix uh, it. May, some of the hearing stuff may be a little bit because uh, it went on all week. But for those of you who don't know, Democrats completely hijacked the whole news cycle this week with impeachment hearings, impeachment announcements, more impeachment hearings after the impeachment announcements. But at least Republicans got one chance to run the show, thanks to the Inspector General report being released on Monday regarding the uh, FISA, FISA court. The IG's report was about the, the origins of the FBI investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election and the surveillance of, Trump, of, the, of Trump's campaign. So to summarize it, this is what this is what we found out. In the 476-page report, the Inspector General explained that the FBI launched a full-scale operation to investigate the Trump campaign, which they dramatically named Crossfire Hurricane. Wow, that sounds impressive, Ed. It is because it just sounds so so military, and mm. they're protecting our country. It acknowledged the roles of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Uh, whose text messages about hating Trump, stopping Trump, and smelling those smelly Walmart Trump supporting voter uh, shoppers at Walmart? Uh, we've heard we've heard them plenty of times now, and it's uh, it's it's uh, almost it's almost boring, but it's exciting to hear that that the government's actually in, uh, investigating it. It explained how the fake dossier written by Christopher Steele, a British a former British spy, paid by Fusion GPS who was paid by a law firm representing the Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton campaign, was the primary catalyst for initiating the spying. It outlined how the information from a friendly foreign government started the FBI's interest in the Trump campaign, starting with George Papadopoulos being lured to a London bar to meet an Australian diplomat 
Alexander Downer in May of 2016, where Papadopoulos said Russian had, the Russia, that Russia had emails that would embarrass Hillary. The friendly foreign government is, of course, believed to be Australia, who then told FBI about Papadopoulos' story and realized that they set somebody up to tell him something, and then they set a, a, a foreign diplomat from Australia to to go into the bar while he was tipsy and uh, and lure him to say something so they could say he said something to a foreign diplomat. It explains how the surveillance, also known as spying, continued uh, continued with Trump campaign consultant Carter Page, who probably met Trump maybe once or twice, then escalated to spying on campaign chairman Paul Manafort and then General Michael Flynn. It admitted FBI had made 17 significant inaccuracies and omissions, that means breaking the law, in its handling of, it, of FISA applications to surveil Carter Page, and that the FBI kept spying on him even after the info they gathered weakened the probable cause. It showed that, the FBI lawyer, that an FBI lawyer doctored a critical email to hide the fact that Carter Page was really working as an F, a CIA source for the United States and not the Russians, and that it was unknown as to precisely why this lawyer did that. I think we can figure it out. Uh, you know, why did he do that? Oh, because it doesn't fit their narrative. And yet somehow Inspector General Michael Horowitz concludes... As to the opening, we found no no bias. What do you think about that? Um, well, it's funny because the report says words like doctored, words like significant inaccuracies and omissions. What, 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 is, what is the definition of bias, Ed? Um... Uh, setting, changing things to make it go a certain way. We were kind of talking about this off the air, how James Comey did a similar uh, layout with Hillary Clinton and basically laid out the case why she should be prosecuted and then said, but we're not going to prosecute her because there's really nothing wrong here. Yeah, because they they changed the word uh, from uh, gross negligence to extreme carelessness. It really means the same thing, but of course... Gross negligence is a crime. Extreme carelessness has never actually said that, that it's a crime, but it is the same thing. It's uh, it's just stupid. Listen to listen to Horowitz, Horowitz's own words on how FBI operated at the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing Wednesday. Horowitz said that before the the Steele dossier, the decision makers at the FBI didn't didn't think they had good enough reason to spy on Carter Page. When the Crossfire Hurricane Team Crossfire Hurricane Team first proposed seeking a FISA order targeting targeting Carter Page in mid-August 2016, FBI attorneys assisting the investigation considered it a quote close call close quote, and the FISA order was not requested at the time. But then the FBI Director Andrew McCabe heard about Christopher uh, Christopher Steele shopping around shopping the dossier around. Uh, his juicy dossier to the media, and he had suggested using it to get the FISA warrant. Once that happened, everything changed. Eh, interesting. In September 2016, immediately after the Crossfire Hurricane team received reporting from Christopher Steele concerning Page's alleged recent activities with Russian officials, FBI attorneys advised the department that it was ready to move forward with a request to obtain FISA authority to surveil Page. FBI and department officials told us the Steele reporting, quote, pushed the FISA proposal over the line, close quote, in terms of establishing probable cause. And we concluded that the Steele reporting played a central and essential role in the decision to seek a FISA order. You know, the Crossfire Hurricane team, the Crossfire Hurricane team sounds like Navy SEAL team 
Yeah, eight. Yeah, you'd never know. It's just a bunch of uh, uh, bootleg attorneys working for the FBI that uh, like to give themselves important names that are in the in the tank for uh, that were in the tank for Hillary. Correct. Or certainly in the tank against Trump. Right. And Horowitz admits that while the FBI wasn't biased, yeah, okay, uh, dossier author Christopher Steele was. Thankfully, Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham, who I haven't been a big fan of, but this week he was a rock star, he brought that out. Christopher Steele, is it fair to say that he had a political bias against Donald Trump? Um, he, given who he was paid for, there was a bias that needed to be disclosed to the court. Does it seem that he all personally had a bias, not just because he's on the payroll of the Democratic Party? But he... Well, we found in the course of this and heard from Mr. Orr about his comment to him that he was desperate to prevent uh, Mr. Trump's election. Well, how do you say there's no bias? How, how do you say there's no bias when the whole basis for this garbage was by he just said it right there and that's how ridiculous this is because Horowitz is supposed to be nonpartisan he's supposed to be a a neutral a neutral outsider getting the information going through it well you know they said when i talked to the witnesses they said they weren't biased so i just put that well you know maybe, maybe he's just trying to sound like he's objective maybe he's putting out the facts and laying it all out for anybody with with an iq of of 13 to figure out but but yet he can't come across as like a uh, a Trump insider. Maybe that's his his game. Yeah, I think. But I think uh, just like Comey, they do the they do the investigation. They get all the facts. They did a million that a million pages of documents that he went through. But he just doesn't have any any uh, guts. Doesn't have any courage. Doesn't have any uh, stones to actually take on the people that take on the to actually accuse somebody. Mm. It was that was hard getting that getting that word out, huh? Well, you got to it eventually. Ed. So another Lindsey Graham highlight was when he revealed how he was uh, personally introduced to the Steele dossier. It started when, and I and I say, hey, all you all you uh, John McCain fans, let's see what a what a great what a great person John McCain John McCain was. It started when the late John McCain was approached by someone in Canada, someone who ex- excitedly told McCain about the juicy dossier that the Russians had on, on Donald Trump. Let me tell you how I come to find out about Christopher Steele's work product. In December of 2016, John McCain goes to a national security conference uh, in Canada, and somebody tells him about the Steele dossier, and it's bad and you need to know about it, and it gets to John McCain. John McCain puts it in his safe, he gives it to me, and I read it. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, my God. One of two things. This could be Russian disinformation, or they may have something on Trump. If you read this document, the first thing you would think of is they got something on Donald Trump. It is stunning. It is damning. It is salacious. And it's a bunch of crap. I love that. You know, don't don't sugarcoat it there, Lindsay. Just, what is it, really? It's a bunch of crap. Graham went on to say how Steele got all his information from one person in Russia, known in the report only as the primary subsource. The FBI tracked down this anonymous Russian in January 2017, and guess what he told them? This is long, but it's important, so listen carefully. What does the Russian guy tell the FBI about the, FBI about the dossier? that Steele misstated or exaggerated the prime subsource's statements, that Trump's 
alleged sexual activities at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Moscow was rumor and speculation. He went on to say he heard it at a bar. And in the report, it suggests that a Western employee of the Ritz-Carlton confirmed this escapade by then uh, private citizen Trump. When he read that, he says, that's not true. I never told Steele that somebody working for the Ritz-Carlton confirmed this. I heard it at a bar. Primary subsource stated that he never expected Steele to put the primary subsource's statements in reports or present them as facts. They were word of mouth and hearsay. Conversations had with friends over beers were statements made in jest that should be taken with a grain of salt. So in January 2017, the person who did all the assembling of the information for the now famous Steele uh, Steel dossier tells the FBI, I disavow everything in there. Now, what should happen? Time out. Let's reassess. Maybe we got this wrong. What would you hope to happen? That the FBI would slow down because this is the outcome determinative document that's just had a hole blown through it. They don't slow down. They use the document they now know to be a bunch of garbage twice more to get a warning against Carter Page. I hope Carter Page gets a lawyer and sues the hell out of the Department of Justice and the FBI. Remember, this all originated in the Obama administration. So, uh, you know, somebody somebody needs to be tending the store, and somebody's somebody is is giving people permission to to do this to do this and change things and kind of just overlook things. And uh, and hopefully this hopefully this gets out and and it it crawls all the way up to President Obama. Well, Chris, that's a great point, and. Look, number one, I do know that it is illegal to lie to a FISA court to get a warrant. That much I, I do know. And it's easy after we've been hearing these details for like months, Ed. And after a while, your eyes kind of glaze over, your mind kind of shuts down. You start daydreaming because you've heard all this so many times before. The bottom line question is, is anybody going to go down for this? In other words, is James Comey, Clapper, Brent, any of these people or any of these people going to be held accountable for this? Or do we actually live in a banana republic, which I'm beginning to suspect more and more every day? Yeah, I am too. And, you know, uh, I'm I'm thinking as the, the, the more ugly this gets, the more ugly this gets, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that everyone perceives this the same. And I think the Democrats are going to lose big in in November because of this. And uh, especially with the uh, uh, with what happened in England this week uh, with the uh, with the uh, the voters rejecting uh, socialism of the Labor Party and and putting in the the a big a big uh, a resounding uh, majority for the the conservative party in there mm-hmm. for uh, the new prime minister. We're seeing we're seeing countries around the world rejecting socialism, and what is the Democratic Party doing? They're pushing towards socialism. So I'm hoping uh, this is going to turn make a big fun November for us. Um, and of course, you know all these things that they 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 heard in a bar. It's so reliable what guys say in a bar. You know, we we spent some time in some bars together, right? Right, Scott. Well, there you go. Yeah, but I can't even believe I'm hearing this though. Does this sound like like cartoonish? Well, the basis for all of this 
was something that somebody said in a bar and some other guy. Do you know what I mean? This sounds so absurd. It's like this is the government that that's running. This is the FBI. This is what's behind all of this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Remember, uh, remember at the inauguration last year, last year the the pink hat ladies the day after the inauguration. One of the one of the witnesses last week in the hearings had a pink hat. They had a pink was there at the pink hat thing, and she's she's testifying on on constitutional law. Well, this was one of the academics, right? The lady that uh-huh. looked like she hadn't had much fun in a long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Pamela. Uh, it's not important. Ed. Don't worry about yeah, whatever, it. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Don't is. worry about it. So meanwhile, the F, uh, the head of the FBI, when all this was going down, none other than James Comey, he continues to sound off this week, and this is what he tweeted. After this, all this hearing, he said, so it was all lies, no treason, no spying on the campaign, no tapping Trump's wires. It was just good people trying to protect America. Comey's delusional. And I think this is almost his way of like talking to himself and saying, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Well, what's, right? well, what's scary is he knows that most of the voters in this country are disconnected. So if he tweets that out. People that follow James Comey are going to say, oh, wow, they, they exonerated him. That's not, that's not even anything near what happened. So, uh, and, and, you know, to confirm that, that's not what Michael Horowitz said. Former FBI Director James Comey said this week that, that your report vindicates him. Is that a fair assessment of your report? Um, I, you know, I think the activities we found here don't vindicate anybody who touched this. So, uh, you know, there's there's if you're not paying attention, I tell people, hey, if you don't have time to watch the news and keep up on this stuff, because then you step into something, listen to the main event once a week and I'll give you the recap of everything. So you're up to speed. So when you jump into something the next week and you hear it, you'll at least understand where we're at. So uh, it's a good thing we're draining the swamp at the FBI because they have their work cut out for them. Now that it, Islamic terror attacks are happening on our military bases against, again, since Obama isn't the president anymore, this incident is officially being called a terrorism inquiry, not workplace violence. Here's the details. The shooting last Friday at Naval Air Station Pensacola in Florida left three American sailors dead. Caleb Watson, who's 23 years old, Cameron Walters, 21 and Mohammed Mo Haytham, who's 19. According to the victim's parents, Navy officials say their sons died trying to disarm the shooter. That shooter was Saudi Arabia, Saudi, Saudi Air Force trainee who was visiting a visiting student on the base. His name is Second Lieutenant Mohammed Al-Shamrani. So what could have possibly motivated the Saudi Arabian undergoing military training on one of our bases to gun down our sailors? Surprise! He decided the U.S. military is anti-Islamic. Here's the evidence. The first call alerting the law enforcement of an incident at Florida base came in about 6.51 a.m. Twelve minutes earlier, a Twitter account believed to be al-Shamrani's tweeted a declaration of hate for the Americans because of their crimes against Muslims. He also tweeted things like, America as as a whole has turned into a nation of evil. A quote from Anwar al-Walaki and uh, United States will not dream of enjoying safety until we li- till we live it in reality in Palestine and American troops get out of our lands, which is a quote from Osama bin Laden. One of the final tweets from the account was a retweet of Times of Israel article containing Trump's speech recognizing Israel as a capital of uh, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. In recent years, Al Qaeda has exploited the anger in the Muslim world over this issue to recruit uh, terrorist uh, soldiers. But apparently Al-Shamrani was uh, also fuel, fueled by a personal grudge. 
He filed a formal complaint earlier this year against one of his instructors who left him infuriated in class by giving him the derogatory nickname of porn stash. Apparently, the guy didn't understand that stash is a slang term for mustache here. And if and if you've seen any picture of him, he definitely had a porn stash. Well, that's what that's what some people. I say. just thought maybe he had some magazines under his bed or something. You know? No, I didn't. He had a stash. Okay. I was infuriated as to why he would say that in front of the class. He wrote in his complaint. And although FBI isn't commenting on this part, there are reports that Al Shamrani hosted a dinner party with other Saudi students from the base where he showed them videos of mass shootings. Sounds like a nice, wholesome uh, guy we should have on our military bases, learning to uh, fly the planes that we uh, that we build and sell to Saudi Arabia. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll have some more comments on that and the rest of the happenings in the second half. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, weather, traffic, sports, and commercials, and we'll be right back with part two of the main event. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, here on AM590 The Answer. Let me talk to you seniors for a moment. Have you been hearing people talk about reverse mortgages and wondering what those are all about? Let me make it simple for you. A reverse mortgage is exactly the same as any other mortgage with one exception. You don't have to pay monthly payments if you don't want to. You still get a monthly statement and you can send in payments if you want to. They're just not required. So your next question is, where does that leave my kids when at some point I pass away? Did I just give their inheritance to the bank? The answer is no. Your kids will inherit the same amount as they would have otherwise with the exception of anything that you want or anything that you need between now and your final day on earth. If this sounds like something that might enhance your retirement years and you want to talk to someone who can make it just that simple, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday mornings at 10, Saturday nights at 9, and Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock right here on AM 590. The AM590, the answer. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. I don't talk a lot about real estate and finance on the radio because if you're not in the market, it's probably boring to you. But if you are in the market, if you're thinking about refinancing or if you're thinking about buying, this is a, actually a good time to, to shop for homes because no one else is because they're shopping for uh, Christmas presents. Um, so sometimes you can get your offers accepted uh, at this time because it's it's uh, uniquely quiet and sellers are going, yeah, I don't have any other offers. So uh, if you're out shopping you know, make, make that a point. Um, but if you need, if you're, uh, if you need, uh, advice on financing, uh, pre-qualification letters, you want some information on that reverse mortgage thing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. Scroll down to the summit funding logo and fill in the form. Tell me what you want to hear back. You'll hear back from us. Uh, also in the, in the, if you didn't join us for the first half, uh, joining me in the studio is Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes and uh, second most uh, second most dazzling uh, political <laughs> commentator in the country. Don't you forget it, Ed. And don't forget if your uh, if your kids want have bikes bicycles on their uh, on their Christmas list, check out Don's Bikes. Absolutely, Don's Absolutely. Bikes Rialto and Redlands. Yep, top one hundred bicycle uh, shops in the country. Mm-hmm. Even though there's two of them, so <laughs> I mean, I think I think they said Don's Bikes was. One of the top 100 bicycle selling. Companies. Well, they can't consider one store, even though we have a couple different locations. So. And you're, uh, and did you give up on the third? Uh, no, I'm still thinking about that. Actually, Ed, yeah, still thinking a, about that. We're waiting. We're waiting to see if uh, if the Democrats get in there and 
and discourage expanding businesses. Mm. <laughs> so God forbid, Ed. Exactly. So before we before we ended the second half, we were talking about what went on with the uh, with the uh, the terrorist terrorist shooting in uh, Pensacola, Florida. Uh, we left a few things off. So, uh, so what are we doing? So we, we have a Saudi, stu- we have Saudi students. We're selling them military machines so they can back us up in Iran, which, uh, is questionable as to, as to whether that's worth it. Considering that, uh, you know, the 19, hij- most of the 19 hijackers, nine eleven came from Saudi Arabia. Um, and so instead of sending someone there to train them how to, how to work our machines, um, we bring them onto our military bases, which I think is something they should be rethinking. So what are we doing about that? Uh, on Tuesday, the Pentagon took a big step in the right direction, suspending more than 850 Saudi students from flight training in response to the shooting. The suspension was part of a broader Defense Department review of all international training on U.S. military bases after Friday's massacre. What do you think Obama would have done? Now he goes, oh, we shouldn't punish all the military fighters in here from foreign countries just because we had one bad seat and then we wouldn't do anything about it. Trump administration is not so. And what about the other troubling aspects of our relationship with Saudi Arabia, a nation we continue to sell arms to despite their obvious involvement in 9-11? Since this happened in Matt Gates' district, he spoke this spoke about this on, on Tucker Carlson. First thing we need to do is join Governor DeSantis's call for the kingdom to step up for the victims. The second thing we need to do is what Senator Graham and I will be calling for, and that is an immediate suspension of the program wherein we bring Saudis here to the United States without sufficient vetting to stop something like this, and then uh, we put ourselves at risk. And then absolutely, we need to support the FBI's investigation and not allow anything to impair it. But at some point, we've got to look at this relationship more broadly, Tucker, and wonder, how much from Saudi Arabia are we willing to take? I would agree. And, I, and he says, we got to support the FBI. I want, I want to see if Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, is anything more than Inspector General Horowitz or, uh, or James Comey. Because I really haven't seen him do anything back up the FBI guys. And uh, I don't know, what's your, what's your opinion on him? Well, you know, that's a good question. I think that probably remains to be seen. But coming back to a little bigger point, we need to realize that Saudi Arabia is not an ally of the U.S. Let's quit kidding ourselves. They're not. Um, And not only that, but you alluded to the fact that the majority of the hijackers in 9-11 were from Saudi Arabia. And actually, it appears that the Bush administration covered up some facts that showed that the government had some kind of influence in in that attack as well. So, look, if you want to invade countries, don't bother with Iraq and don't bother with Afghanistan. What we should have done is probably invaded Saudi Arabia, taken all their oil and left that place one big fat sandbox by the time we rolled out of there. That's just my opinion. I think uh, I think Trump suggests that we should be taking we go over. Over there and protect these guys take the oil to pay for it yeah don't just don't be so uh so uh, uh charitable for these guys they send the terrorists over here we go root out the bad guys and leave the other everybody else and then we build rebuild their their nation and leave them with all the money so and we just pay our money and uh so i tweeted i tweeted on this if our military warriors were allowed to carry firearms on military bases Maybe that Saudi Arabian uh, hole wouldn't uh, wouldn't have been able to kill three Americans on our own naval base. When outlaw when we outlaw guns, everyone is defenseless except the outlaws. So another another uh, point there. Hey, you know what? I'm uh, I'm willing to do some uh, some uh, gun uh, some gun control. Let's put them uh, put some guns in control of our Americans on military bases. So that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. So uh, let's get into uh, more hearings articles for the articles of impeachment. 
As you know, House Democrats finally introduced articles of impeachment this week after talking about it endlessly for the past three years. But first, they had to have one more hearing. Oh, no, make that two. No, wait, that makes four more hearings this week. It started Monday where members of Congress questioned the same lawyers who questioned other members of Congress last month. Try to wrap your wrap your head around that. And one of the guys was actually being a witness, and then they put him back on the bench to ask questions to other people. They're starting. To, they're running out of people to interview at, so they're starting to interview each other. Is that what I'm getting here? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's just hey, we're just interviewing people. They're not witnesses. They're just opinions on on things that we've heard. Well, you know, based on this, well, this on this, blah blah blah. Had I had a lot of clips from this on Monday, but then everything else piled up, so we're not going to pay a whole bunch of that. Otherwise, we'd have to have a three-hour show this week. Then Tuesday, Jerry Nadler, the Weeble, Nancy Pelosi, the Feeble, Maxine Waters, the uh, Dweeble, and other and other Democrats held one of their trademark sad, serious, solemn press conferences to announce two whole articles of impeachment. The House Committee on the Judiciary is introducing two articles of impeachment charging the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. Later this week, the Judiciary Committee will meet to consider these articles of impeachment and to make a recommendation to the full House of Representatives. We do not take this action lightly. The first article is for abuse of power. It is an impeachable offense for the president to exercise the powers of his public office to obtain an improper personal benefit. That is exactly what President Trump did when he solicited and pressured Ukraine to interfere in our 2020 presidential election. This gives rise to the second article of impeachment for obstruction of Congress. We must be clear, no one Not even the president is above the law. Oh, my God. And you know what? This whole thing's about abuse of power. And, uh, and of course, Trump was asking about Biden abusing his power in Ukraine that we have right on videotape him bragging about it. You know, there's a part of me that can't blame the Democrats, Ed, because what other card do they have to play? They're probably going to lose with this crop of losers that they have as far as Democrat candidates. They have nobody. They have nobody. They have nobody. And unless like Oprah jumps in at this point, I don't see how they even have any hope at all. So what what recourse do they have other than trying to get rid of this guy through impeachment? Well, you know what? Um, what I was if if I was in the Democratic Party, I'd have to probably uh, cut off one of my arms and two of my legs, um, hmm. or just cut off my head. Um, but you would think that hey, they would they would say hey, you know what? We had our doubts about Trump, which most of the Republicans probably did. When he started running, he's unconventional, but look at the results he's getting. Say, hey, you know what? I got to hand it to him. He's getting results. Let's all work together. And, and then, you know, the, their people will respect them and let's all work together and actually do something for this country instead of making it so much harder for Trump and the Republicans. You know, but that, that can never happen. And the reason it can never happen is because Nancy Pelosi, the Weeble, all these other fools want to stay in power, Ed. They want to stay in power. And if they go against the grain or they do something that steps outside of the party lines, they're done. They're done. And and don't call Pelosi the Weeble. The Weeble is Nadler. Pelosi's the, the Dweeble. Dweeble. Okay. No, she's the feeble. She's I call her feeble. Skeletor. That's just my opinion. <clears throat> yeah, she looks like Skeletor. Mm-hmm. Uh, for that's a that's a master of the universe uh, 
quote, that's a master of the universe reference for those of you who don't know. So after three years of putting the country through hell, the best Democrats can do is abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Two things that every president in American history has done in some form or fashion. What happened to bribery? What happened to obstruction of justice? What happened to collusion? That's what President Trump asked a crowd in Pennsylvania Tuesday night. You saw their so-called articles of impeachment today. People are saying they're not even a crime. What happened? All of these horrible things, remember? Bribery and this and that. Where are they? They send these two things that are not even a crime. This is the lightest, weakest impeachment. You know, our country said, actually many impeachments. You call judges and lots of other, many impeachments. But it was on today. Everybody said, this is impeachment light. I, I want to say one thing. This guy, Trump, does... There's aspects to this guy that are superhuman, Ed. Do you remember when you were at the top of your game with arm wrestling? There was a certain a superhumanness about that, right? Yeah, well, there was super, super, some superhumans when I went into the pros that I couldn't see why, but they just they just have so, some superhumanness that no one could beat. Okay, well, maybe like in my sport, maybe that's uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Who knows? But I know when I was at the top of my or, game... And, or or, or uh, in the, girl, in the girls' uh, uh, side of the sport... Maybe it's sex changes. Okay, well, that that can certainly that's happening in my sport as well. Um, but when you look at this guy, you know, when I when I when I say that, I'm referring to number one is energy level. He's always high energy at every one of these rally, rally after rally after. I don't know how many of these he's doing. That seems like three a week almost. Apparently, he hardly ever sleeps. But the thing that strikes me the most about him. None of this stuff seems to bother him. And I don't know. I couldn't say that for myself. I mean, if I was there and it's like, hey, by the way, they're uh, they're just uh, filing articles of impeachment against you. He didn't seem to care. I know. And, and I don't I don't know how, you know, and plus he's pushing through with the China thing and he's pushing through with with the, the wall. He's pushing through with supporting the other Republicans for reelection. He's he's moving forward with his agenda and dealing with this and watching and being humiliated I would, I would want to, I would want to just. I just want to say to hell with this. I'm out of here. Wanna, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So uh, then, for two more excruciating days on Wednesday and Thursday, we had two more hearings to mark up the articles, which means, which means nothing because it's the same old speeches from from everyone. But there were some Republican standouts, Doug Collins of Georgia, uh, who has been one of the rock star Republicans throughout this process. Actually, actually, all year, I think. He had this to say about Nadler and Pelosi's whole sad, solemn, prayerful charade. I find it amazing at best, hilarious, I guess at worst, that we come to, quote, a um, solemn and amazing moment. We've been on this path since November 2016. This is not new. We've been trying this um, for almost three years if you're a majority member of this party. The only thing that has changed is the opportunity from last November when you became the majority. The only thing that changed in your desire to impeach this president was that you became the majority. And we have spent all year in this committee trying to impeach the president. We have occasionally had markups on bills, most of which so partisan they cannot even go forward in the Senate, most of which that do not address any issue that we've talked about. But it is amazing to me that we're taking it now as such a solemn oath that we've made up something to now come to this point to say, this is very solemn, like it jumped up and snuck up on you. It's about like the the holiday season. It doesn't jump up and sneak up on you when you've been expecting it the whole time. 
It's kind of like planning for your child's first birthday. Oh, man, I didn't have enough time to plan it, so we did it like two months later. I think one of the most disturbing things about what he just said is that they're not really doing anything, Ed, that the Congress is not really doing anything right now, like nothing productive. So we've got all these people making, I don't know what they get paid, a couple hundred grand a year, to do nothing. You know what I well, mean? Well, we're, we're going to talk about that. Maybe in that's our, not in our bad. Ne- I don't next know. section about okay. how much they make, about how much they make. And it's not just what they make. It's mm. what their staffs make. And apparently they have open checkbook, which I, for one, I, for one, as a taxpayer who gives up a big, healthy half of my big, healthy paycheck um, that I don't have any guilt about because I've worked my butt off for 30 years to get to there. Um, as opposed to being a, a sports star that just has a good uh, jump shot, or uh, you know, you know, whatever, um, that they're they're spent. They have an open checkbook from our taxpayer dollars. I don't mind paying paying taxes to support our country, but if that's they get an open checkbook for that, hey, give half of mine back. Give half of mine back. I don't want them to have that, and we need term limits to to get all these people because they, they've been in there so long, they learned how to work this system. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Thursday's hearing went on for 14 hours, ending just before midnight Eastern time. Uh, with every Democrat picking up where the last one left off, you could string speeches together. And then, of course, the Republicans, I know that um, at about 6 o'clock our time, um, I was lis- I was listening, and which was 9 o'clock back e- uh, on the, on, in Washington, D.C., and they had three more hours left, but one of the Congress people came up and said, "Hey, we haven't heard any new any comments that of anything we haven't already heard in the last three hours. So please, if you don't have anything new to say, you just want your just have the temptation to go in front of the microphone to make your to make your statement, please, so we can get out of here because we don't want to overwork the Congress people. You know, actually." pondering every little consideration and and somebody might say some say the same thing in a different word that that actually penetrates their brain um but uh uh, but you could string the speeches together uh and they all sound like the same person president trump is before this committee in articles of impeachment for his own behavior for his desire to do with public monies and a public position to do a private matter and a political matter and that is to get dirt on his 2020 potential opponent. He has abused his power in the past. He is abusing his power right now. He will abuse it tomorrow. The record is clear. Donald Trump abused his power by soliciting foreign interference in the 2020 election and thereby undermine the integrity of our democracy as well as our national security. And so I urge my colleagues tonight We must approve these articles of impeachment so we can make it clear that nobody in this country, in the greatest country in the world, is above the law, even the most powerful person, the president of the United States. And with it, I yield back. Amazing. We haven't heard any of those comments before Thursday. We didn't hear them before. We heard them on Wednesday. We heard them on Tuesday. We've been hearing the the same dumb stuff for for weeks and weeks and weeks. I tweeted, here was my thought on that. This was a tweet I sent out. We pay these holes. I didn't say holes, but I said we paid these anyway to repeat the same old crap day after day, after week, after month, after year. Don't they have jobs to do? This is our tax dollars. This is our country. Impeachment hearing enough already. So anyway, uh, 
Any last well, thoughts? Yeah, yeah my, my last thoughts on this. My eyes are, are glazing over once again. I've heard this for so long. It's so easy to tune this out because it's the same garbage over and over again. But probably the most ironic thing of the whole big picture of this is they are accusing Trump of what they themselves did in 2016, which is to solicit forward interference to get dirt on your opponent and, and rig the election. I mean, it's, don't you think that's kind of ironic? Yeah, I think it's ironic because the whole thing he was investigating is admitted to, he's admitted, he's, he's saying, hey, you know what went on with, with Biden back there in the Ukraine? And quite frankly, I don't really care about Ukraine. We gave him $391 million to 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 spend on military stuff. And they're saying the Ukrainians were dying because we held it up for three weeks at the Russians were killing them and people died. Well, Russia invaded uh, Ukraine and took Crimea in, uh, in 2014 and they asked for uh, military aid so they could fight the Russians. And, and Obama said, no, he sent them blankets and MREs, which are meals ready to eat that the military guys get when they're, when they're deployed. He said, no, they didn't have a problem with that back then. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they weren't all getting paid by someone in Ukraine by that by that time. But let's let's talk about the waste of money. Uh, so last week I promised to tell you about this about more ways Democrats are wasting our money. This is unbelievable. This this I didn't realize until I until I saw this last week. Con- Congressman Alcee Hastings of Florida was already facing House Ethics Probe for engaging in a relationship with one of his staffers. And now we learn that he's been paying his girlfriend more money than any other staffers for the past eight years, including the ones who supervise her. Patricia... There's a reason they call them staffers, Ed. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Patricia Williams... This is the... the con- <laughs> Patricia Williams has been Hastings' girlfriend for 25 years and a congressional staffer in his office for 27 years. So uh, was he pulling a Clinton and uh, made one of his staffers his girlfriend? According to the House... She disp- was his chief of staff. He I was think. his... Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, he is his chief of staff now, but mm. those first two years, he was, she wasn't. Okay. According to House disbursement records, beginning in 2011, Williams, then Hastings' deputy district director, earned more than his chief of staff at the time, despite being the chief of staff's subordinate. <laughs> Library of Congress records show Williams was an aide to Hastings 2002 to 2006 before transitioning into her role as deputy district director, a job she held for the next 12 years. She's now the district director. Hastings, who makes Hastings, who's a congressperson, makes one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars a year as a congressman. Paid Williams one hundred sixty-eight thousand four hundred eleven in two thousand eighteen, which happens to be the exact amount of the maximum salary of uh, members of Congress are allowed to pay their staffers. So what I get out of this is these Congress people can hire whatever staff they want, and they're allowed to pay each of them up to one hundred sixty-eight thousand four hundred eleven dollars a year. And we don't have anything to say about that. Well, I wonder who voted those rules in, Ed. I don't know, but it, mm. but you know, considering the salaries of a hundred senators and four hundred thirty-five Congress people, that adds up to a billion dollars a year. But now we know that it's double, triple, uh, tri- double and triple that because they're staffs, and probably probably more than that. And then plus they go on trips and they take their families and we pay for the the airline the airlines and the and the uh and you know I know Nancy Pelosi took her whole family over to over to Europe and filled up the filled up the plane with all kinds of booze and stuff for her uh I think it was Nancy Pelosi it was one of those one of those uh long-time uh cronies in there Hastings told the Miami Herald Thursday night that Williams high salary derives from her her seniority 
I bet that's not the only thing it derived from. Uh, the Palm Beach Post reported Williams has earned nearly $3 million since two, the year 2000. Hastings also employs Williams' daughter in, in his Broward County office. Wow. Does this make you mad? That's our tax dollars. The money that they take out of your paycheck that you don't get to spend, that's what's being done with it. Not not only that, but but the fact that most, if not all, the majority of these people, they go into Congress and get paid 174. They retire multimillionaires. They all go on to become multimillionaires. Why is that? Have you seen Nancy Pelosi's house? Uh, the freaking mansion never, in San Francisco. She, she's never invited me. With over. a big wall around it, I might add. Exactly. She doesn't want to have those illegal aliens getting to her. No. Except a mower yard, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So how about we end the end the show hearing from one of the Republican stars of the week. The last few weeks, we've heard from uh, Jim Jordan, Doug Collins, and Matt Gates. This week, Louie Gohmert of Texas was on a roll from Monday morning through Thursday night. Uh, since we can't play the everything, let's just roll, roll. Let's end the show with this. The Constitution itself says you got to have two witnesses. And that's that's not hearsay witnesses, none of this stuff that wouldn't be admissible in any decent court. No, that's two direct evidence witnesses that can come in and positively identify themselves, not something they overheard or something, but actually be witnesses to treason. And yet this group comes in here, they toss treason out in a report like it's no big deal. We can bring in a bunch of hearsay witnesses and then we'll have the lawyers testify and then throw a president out of office. This is is so absurd. It's so absurd. And let me tell you, those that think you've done something special here, you have set the bar so low. I'm afraid it's irreparable. We've had people already mention, you know, the next president. Joe Biden, we're told, you know, gee, he may be the next president. Well, we've already got the forms. All we have to do is eliminate Donald Trump's name and put Joe Biden's name in there because he's on video. He and his son, he basically has admitted to the crime that's being hoisted on the president improperly. So I'm scared for my country. Yeah, I think uh, people, you hear the Democrats talking about, well, they're violating the Constitution. We're protecting the Constitution. Louis Gohmert was a judge in Texas, so uh, I think he knows about it. He talks perfectly clear about it. I thought he was a rock star. No, he sounded really well. And I guess, you know, the the big question that, that we all need to find, that we'll soon learn the answer to, will this backfire? Will this all backfire in the end? I think it will. Okay. But well, let's see. I'm, I'm excited about next November, the the uh, seeing how the election comes out and and uh, our trip to Jan- in January to see the reinauguration for uh, Trump's second term. That will be fun, Ed. That will be. But we won't count our chickens till they hatch, Ed. Exactly. So we'll keep telling you the truth and uh, ex- explaining everything you missed if you weren't paying attention, and uh, we will be here for you. Anyway, uh, Scott, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure, Ed. And uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921, California DRE ID number 1026588, Arizona MLO license number 0926439, Branch NMLS ID number 1841782, Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199, Arizona license number 0925837, Equal Housing Opportunity. 
Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding and host of the main event, Heard Weekends, right here on AM590 The Answer. By now, I'm sure you've all been hearing about the fact that mortgage rates have dropped a whole percentage point in the last 12 months. So what does that mean to you? Well, if you own a home, it means we can possibly, one, reduce your payment, two, pull out cash and pay off other bills, and then further reduce your payment, or three, we can possibly reduce the term of your loan and get your home paid off years earlier than you planned. If you're over 62 considering a reverse mortgage, the lower the interest rates are, the more money you get on a reverse mortgage. And if you haven't even inquired about a reverse, you owe it to yourself to investigate this tremendous financing option. So if you're thinking about any of these, the time to act is now. For more information, call me at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Summit Funding logo. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. California DRE ID number 1012658. Arizona MLO license number 092643. Grant NMLS ID number 1841782. Summit Funding Incorporated NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity. AM 590. The answer.